everybody. It's Leslie Jane Seymour for the Covey Cast, and I am really excited today. We are breaking new ground. I am bringing a guy on to talk to us about personal branding because he is the top branding guy out there, maybe the top branding person out there. And we got into a very funny discussion about why I was only talking to women about rebranding themselves and why couldn't a man actually have a point of view on this. And so I'm bringing you the wonderful Patrick Hanlon, who is the CEO of Thinktopia, which is strategic branding. And he is an expert on helping brands discover their true voices, which of course, when you're doing your personal brand is important. He loves to call himself an unconventional thinker, and he's helped big, giant brands like the United Nations, Microsoft, Levi's, and PayPal find out who they are, deconstruct themselves, and reconstruct themselves. Uh, What's really interesting, he does some really great little books, um, which you might want to look at, Um, and one of his books is called Primal Branding, um, and he told me it's a required reading at YouTube. But what I even love even more is he's a a really nice, super nice, friendly person, and he's the father of six girls. So I figured that paved the way for him being our first guy on the CoveyCast, and we're really excited to have him here. And so let's all welcome Patrick Hanlon. Hi, Patrick. I'm so glad to have you here. So we are going to talk about personal branding. And I am so grateful. First of all, I was laughing with you when I said, I'm going to make you my first male reinvention person on this (laughs) podcast. We have not had any guys talk to us. It's been strictly the area of all women all the time. Um, But you're such an expert in this area that I thought, let's break all the rules. Hey, it's it's my podcast. I can do what I want. And <laughs> so I'm so glad to have you here. And let's talk a little bit about personal branding and how do you get there? First of all, you're the major brander in chief for many giant brands, but you know how to bring that back to the individual as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, thank you for including me in this uh, gaggle and um, <laughs> very sexist, I might add. But <laughs> I know, I know. That was our original conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for having me. This is, this is great. The, um, first of all, I don't think it's gender specific. But, but anyway, okay. I, I just woke up this morning. It's a Monday morning. And I was really wondering, I've been thinking about this you know, since we spoke a couple of weeks ago and, uh, and more so wondering what I was going to say today and, and over the last couple of days. And, uh, you know, I was wondering, you know, are we, are we really supposed to know this, what we're, what I'm, what we're going to talk about, you know, is it really good to unravel the world and deconstruct it and decode it as I do? Does it really help us to boil it, kind of boil it down to biomechanics and mm-hmm. we're, Homo sapiens wrapped in stories that define you know, the spirit, the soul, a wisp of thing. And uh, what have we done? But anyway, the I thought well we could start out. Um, and of course, we're not just biomechanics, and that's the incredible thing. And I think so. I think we could start out with just the way things are, 
I think we mm-hmm. spoke about this a little bit before. And mm-hmm. the and the way things are is that when we're from the moment we're born, you know, we're we wrap ourselves in stories. We're told that we're a boy, a girl, uh, sister, daughter, brother, cousin, grandchild, part of a family, part of a neighborhood, a city, country. You know, we live on planet Earth. Uh, we're told what we're good at. We're told what we're bad at. And what we're, we're told what to believe and what to wear and what to eat, what not to eat and everything. And who to stay away from, you know, and how to live, hopefully clean, participatory lives, right? If we're lucky mm-hmm. anyway. And all of these th- stories just kind of build, we wrap them around us. And, and then at some point, um, you know, it's a story that we have that we tell and that, and that others can hold on to. Like, who is Leslie Seymour? Oh, she's this incredible woman who da da da, right? Right. And we, we wrap ourselves in story and these are the stories that we tell ourselves. Correct. Also, right? And if, we, if people like the story, we keep telling it. If people don't like it, we adjust it. You know, we roll with it and better not tell that, that part again. But essentially, they're only stories. And when we talk about personal branding or personal rebranding or whatever, you know, that story could define any, you know, fangirl's immersion into the worlds of Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, James Corden, Coachella. And it, there are, it's accompanied by naysayers, haters, thorns, magpies, and who we who berate anyone and everyone along the way. And, and by the way, we use this same story, same storytelling to create romances, create families, scientific theories, governments, neighborhoods, financial systems, and so forth. So when you lose your job, when you move to another city, lose your spouse. Uh, one way or the other, your story becomes unpeeled uh, a part of it. And so we have to create a new story. And that's where the rebranding comes in. So, and you can jump in anywhere along here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but just, the, I mean, it's yeah. hard for people. I can tell you, people understand that there are stories told about themselves or there are, you know, in some cases for women, it's, a lot of times as they get older, it's stories that they were told about themselves. And as they get older, they realize they don't have to live by that outside story. They want to tell their inside story. And their inside yeah. story may be quite different than what that outside story is. And that can, and you're right, that a disruption can often cause one to rethink. I mean, it could be a health issue. It could be losing your job. It could be fear of losing your job. It could be retiring. It could be deciding not to retire. It could be um, all those kinds of things. It could be empty nesting. It could just be moving to another city. Yeah. No, that kind of thing. Relocating. But how do you, you the, the hard part for people, Patrick, is how do they even start to write down what that story is? Because it's so... Sure. A part of who we are, we don't even know where to begin. I mean, most women say to me, I know I have to figure out for all kinds of reasons if I want to go on and do something else or if I want to be on social media or if I want to improve my chances of getting promoted, I have to have a personal brand. And I don't know what that means. And they're kind of yep. thrown yep. back on their heels because they don't really know what that means. So 
that's kind of what I'm trying to get at. What is, well, how do you boil yep. those stories down? How do you change that story? And how do you put it down on paper so people can use it? Sure. And that's what we do, I guess. And uh, just a bit about my own story is I was born in Oceanside, California. And when I was about a year old, my parents wanted to bring me back to Minneapolis, St. Paul to show me off to the grandparents. <laughs> and so we, so that they got in the Hudson, the black That's Hudson, great. Dreamline uh -huh. Hudson, and, and, and drove to Minneapolis, St. Paul from Oceanside, California, which is basically San Diego for those who don't know. And so if you, have kind of an over, overhead shot of a map of the United States, you can see this white dotted line heading from San Diego all the way to Minneapolis, St. Paul, which is, you know, uh, 300 miles northwest of Chicago. And that white dotted line is probably the, my diapers as my mother threw them out the window. <laughs> she was throwing them out the all. window? We didn't have disposables <laughs> then. Yeah. Was she really? Was she doing a madman? I don't want to go into that. But anyway, the... Oh, uh, that's the, part of your story, uh, I think. We're huh? going to have to talk about that later. <laughs> yes. It, but anyway, the, and so I moved from Minneapolis to New York City where I worked on, in Madison Avenue and uh, did Super Bowl, wrote Super Bowl spots and so forth. And what I realized is that uh, it, uh, before he would write a spot... Just to clarify, you, uh, we would get what they call a creative brief, which told us what they wanted to, uh, the message that they wanted to communicate, and we would just find out a creative way of communicating that uh, that would um, grab people's attention, be breakthrough, and and stop them from running to the kitchen uh, and grabbing a Coke or something. And so the unless it was for Coke, I was going to say and unless then, you were advertising uh, Coke, right? Exactly. And so the written, so after a lot of um, experience and some cynicism, uh, what I started to realize is that everyone uh, wanted to be either Nike or they wanted to be Apple. And oh, at that time that people were talking about, and this is uh, 2000 by, by 2001 turn of the century, the, uh, people were talking about Nike tribes and Apple cults, but they couldn't really, uh, no one knew how to create a Nike or an Apple for themselves, which was other than imitation. And so that was very frustrating and I had some time to figure it out. I was actually working on a client problem and I started to look at, well, why do we believe in some companies and their products and services and not in others? And then by the way, why do we believe in some places more than others, why do people prefer to live in Brooklyn rather than Manhattan or mm -hmm. um, Brooklyn rather than L.A. or, or L.A. instead of Brooklyn, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, it works for places and it also works for things, which are concepts. And, and it also works for people, individuals. And that is that um, brands are belief systems. And once you create a belief systems, you attract others who share your beliefs. And which on the personal side are the probably the people that we hang out with, right? And right. so that we gather around us in our daily lives. And some like workmates are sort of force fed, but the, the rest of them, uh, beyond our family and 
becomes our small, our, our circle of friends. And, and so what I realized is that when you look at brands as a belief system, there actually is a system behind belief and that system is there's a creation story. There's a create, there are uh, icons and rituals and a lexicon you might call sacred words. And there is a group called the non-believers and, and the leader and those seven elements wrap themselves or create a constellation of parts that wrap themselves around products and services, certainly like Nike, like Apple, but also you. And so uh, the creation story, uh, and it's probably easiest to be abstract about it and talk about products first, but okay. uh, the creation story, like uh, Apple started in the garage, uh, Bezos, Mark, uh, Jeff Bezos and his wife, you know, traveled across country, heading toward to Seattle and wrote the business plan for uh, Amazon in the backseat of the car or um, the Beatles started in Liverpool and so, right. and so forth. So there's always a creation story, right? Tom Petty, you know, grew up in, in Florida and his guitar teacher was Jim McGuinn, who was later on uh, part of the birds and used to, used to give Tom Petty guitar lessons. Abe Lincoln mm. uh, grew up in a log cabin. Lady Gaga was a PA, right? All of that. <laughs> right. And so once we know where you're from, we want to know where you're about, what you're about. And that could be think different, just do it. Uh, Coke is it, et cetera, et cetera. And on the personal level, it's, you know, gets to uh, what do you really, what do you believe in? Right. And mm -hmm. this might be religious. This might be professional. This might be some personal goal making or intention. Um, and then icons are signal who we are. Once we know where you're from and what's, what you're about, we have to be able to identify you. Right. And so if you're a product that comes down to your logo, like the Nike swoosh, or mm -hmm. um, it could be the American flag. Mm -hmm. um, and, but icons really engage all of the senses, sight, sound, taste, smell, touch, and so forth. So uh, the smell of uh, uh, Chanel number no. five, the smell of your baby's head, the smell of your grandmother's mm -hmm. kitchen, right? And, and so forth. And the personal level, it could be, uh, you know, it's also the website, so it's your Facebook wall. <laughs> mm -hmm. But the, uh, it's also the clothes you wear, the car you drive. Uh, right. These are all very iconic and individualistic, and people have spent a lot of money helping us determine what kind of clothes we wear, what kind of car we drive, um, the way you wear your hair, your bag, your shoes, do you wear Uggs or Jimmy Choo, et cetera, right. et cetera. And you constantly kind of test those things out, how you like my new bag, right? Look mm -hmm. at my shoes, et cetera, et cetera, right? <laughs> Like it's so you then, or uh, it's not you at all, right? I, I should... De proudly declare that I'm the father of six daughters. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so we should, Good. We should right. have you started out. Credibility right. with our crowd. Anyway, the, I'm familiar. Yes. <laughs> and so, the um, yeah, what kind of uh, eyeshadow do you wear, et cetera, et cetera, lipstick and so forth. Those are all icons, right? And mm -hmm. so, the um, very important in declaring who you are and asserting yourself publicly, so, privately. Yeah, so you're saying so, so you're saying it's you, it's kind of a list of of and you and if you want to create your personal brand Patrick then should you be pairing that away into saying it's on, you know, Instagram who only wear pink or who, you know, and that could be just for your professional 
thing that you do. I mean, it, should it be that kind of thing, yeah, or I mean, is it, it is it? Well, there are two ways to go. There are there's the way where you always wear the same thing, uh, Lucille mm -hmm. Ball. I think always have the same hair, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, Madonna kind of disrupted that, and others, you know, disrupted that. And Madonna always, I mean, she rebranded herself every eighteen to twenty-four months, right? Lady Gaga right. bottled the same process right. and redefined herself every time we saw her in public. And so that constant reinvention uh, is actually interesting to look at because it is, um, uh, it's one way to go and you have to define uh, who you are and what you want to be and how you want to do that. So uh, on the other hand, Philip Johnson wore the same eyeglasses yes. his entire career. Woody Allen, same thing. And so the, um, that's another way to go. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the uh, and some individuals, you know, might be famous, renowned, whatever for, you know, always wearing Jimmy Choo's or always having that, you know, um, that bag. Right. Yeah, but I think it's probably so. easier yeah. to understand not being a total disruptor all the time. I think I think the people who get branded for being a disruptor are few and far between and it's much harder to do. I'm guessing that most of my listeners are looking for a simpler way <laughs> to brand themselves. Well, of course, of course, reinvention, it could be about getting all your hair chopped off or growing it long again, you know, oh, and yeah, having a, a good different point. look. We talk it's about all that, a part Patrick. of reinvention. And yep. if you want to make a statement that, hey, yep. it's a new me, I have a new attitude, right? That's the easiest way to signal it sometimes. And so it depends on the individual, of course. But yes. um, sometimes Well, I'm thinking of Judy Collins with it. her white shock of hair. And, you know, there are a lot of women who have decided they've had it with coloring their hair. And, I mean, it is, can become part of your brand. Exactly. Yeah. Own it. Yeah, own it. Becomes right. Because okay. what you want to own. Right. Right. And so... And then rituals, um, again. What do you mean by that? In the, say again? What do you mean by rituals? And um, Well, rituals are the things that we do. Like Starbucks changed the ritual of how we have coffee in the morning from having mm -hmm. it at home with our Mr. Coffee or espresso maker or whatever and running off to Starbucks or a place like Starbucks to have it, right? And so right. the... Um, when you get up to in the morning, I mean, do you, when do you work, go work out do, and do you go work out at a gym uh, like my wife did this morning or do you go do yoga? Right. right? Or, or power yoga or what, you know, what is your ritual? You know, I get up at five thirty or try to every morning and, and work until noon and then I'm done basically mm -hmm. for the day until, and, but I start again around four thirty, you know, dinner time. And so the, um, run errands in between, but the, <laughs> or go to meetings, but the, uh, we all have our rituals and the ways that we work best. And personally, uh, professionally, there are, I mean, this, this podcast is a ritual, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the people listening now, you know, either choose to uh, do this instead of reading or, or listening to the radio or Spotify or whatever. And, yes. and, and there you go. And so when you break down um, some of these rituals, um, they also can be a powerful source of reinvention. You stop going to the gym at six in the morning. 
you do something else. You sleep mm-hmm. in or you work or you whatever you want to do, right? And mm-hmm. that is a part of reinvention also. You stop mm-hmm. um, going to the me- meeting that you're, you're not going to learn anything at. <laughs> you're just showing up, right? Right. Uh, and stop doing that. Do something else. So, and then once we know where you're from, what you're about, um, the way you act, rituals are really your beliefs in motion. And um, then there are words um, that we all have a lexicon. Most of us have a professional lexicon, whether we're a doctor, lawyer, therapist, uh, whether we work in publishing or in advertising or marketing, or we work in code, right, computer code right. and so forth. But we all have our, um, our lexicon. And these words, uh, how well you know the words kind of defines where you fit in the, within the hierarchy. If you know them really well, you're probably arguing in front of the Supreme Court. Um, less well, you're doing other things, right? And right. so the, knowing the words is really important. It's important inside offices also because, for example, uh, people who are new and onboarding, they're struggling to the, those first days, uh, weeks, et cetera, to learn uh, you know, simple things like the kit. It's not the kitchen; it's the coffee room, or something like that. I see. But I they're see, also yeah. learning all the, yeah, and it's it's um, tribal tribal words, tribal signals, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you're, you know, you've worked at one law firm and you move over to another one, just the words of art sometimes are flexed a little, just a little bit, you know, tweaked out right. a little bit to fit that community. But you're also trying to learn all the anecdotes and the jokes everyone knows. And because you don't want to be left out, you're trying to fit That's in right. to that new place. Right. And so um, that same thing happens when you rebrand as well. And so, and then, you know, the other, the next thing is really uh, important and so once we know all these other things, it's who are we not and what do we not want to become? In marketing, this is pretty simple. It's Starbucks versus Dunkin' Donuts. It's uh, right. Coke versus Pepsi. It's Republicans and Democrats. It's uh, uh, gas-guzzling SUVs versus Prius. You know? yes. And so uh, I used to just think that we as human beings somehow stubbornly wanted to just uh, knock ourselves against <laughs> against a wall or something. But what I've realized um, working with companies now, billion dollar companies, uh, deconstructing them like this, is that when people are stuck, it's really uh, an incredible tool because if you can decide and define who you're not and what you don't want to become, it helps you back into who you want to be who you really are yes. and what you do want to become. And so it becomes and, very and important that way. Yeah, and sometimes you actually know that. You know that better than what you yep. want to be. You can tell you I am not. And that and helps you. And you might be living in untruth, you know, and and decide, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Screw it. Get me out of here. Yeah. There are a lot of people who get right. to that point especially with corporate life yeah. where they decide that they've had enough. Well, I think that what happens is that people, you know, we talked about wrapping yourselves with stories and earlier on at the beginning of this. And the thing is, is that sometimes people wake up and they just, they um, realize 
that they've been walking inside someone else's story. Right. That's interesting. And, yeah. And that, um, and we need people like that. I mean, but you might have had a story of your own and you have, have not lived that out. And so that's fine. I mean, Tim Cook is living out Steve Jobs' story, right? Yes. And that's fine. No, he's doing very well by it. Jack Welch was living Thomas Edison's story. And right. we need people like that. But the point is, is that the, you might have, have had a story all your own and might want to live out your own story. I think that happens a lot at midlife, too. A lot of people say, I'm tired of living someone else's story, either professionally or in a marriage or in a friendship. And I think also partly aided by the fact that you see time, you know, running out. And you don't want to spend your time being in a, I mean, I guess that's where our word authentic comes in. You You don't feel like you want to live that anymore because it's time to be authentic and be who you are. And you also realize no one's perfect. So if you're not perfect, screw them, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yes. And it's yeah. okay. You don't yeah. have to be somebody else because you're not perfect. It's okay. You can be your imperfect self and that's just fine. Absolutely. And uh, I think the thing is just to realize that, right? And I think that the real thing is that, and that gets us to the, the, the last piece of the seven pieces, that, and that's the leader. And those are the people at uh, the Time Magazine front cover level, you know, the Oprahs and the, and the Steve Jobs and the Bill Gates and the um, other people like that and uh, Donald Trump's of the world. And, the, um, and at this more personal level, they are also people who lead teams, lead families, lead neighborhoods, and so forth. It lead companies, and so mm-hmm. the I think uh, the thing is is that you have to have a purpose, you have to have an intention, and you have to have a dream. Um, but if you don't have a story, you're pretty much toast. And I think that the great thing is that we can create a new story. Uh, my friend Aaron Lemay. Uh, worked on the video game Halo, which is a billion-dollar franchise. Mm-hmm. And we actually we joked that Aaron's one of the few people in gamification who actually worked in the gaming industry. <laughs> but oh, the, really? Uh, he has, he has a, a great, I don't know if it's an analogy or a metaphor, you tell me. But you know how when we play video games where there's uh, words with friends or Call of Duty or Halo, we, we die, you know? But then we mm-hmm. come back to life. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so then when we come to back and start all over again, and Aaron's point is that you can hit restart, reset and start over in life too. Hmm. You know, and if you understand that your current position is not forever and then you can use your current position. And I think this is important because a lot of people miss this. A lot of people um, do their jobs and their hair's on fire, you know, from the minute they uh, walk into the office until the moment they leave, whenever they leave. And job done, right? But I think that the thing is, is that if you use your current position as a platform to do something else um, and realize that, and just work that to death and realize that you're not going to be at the same job for 30 years in that you, you know, should be working toward that thing you're going to do 
two years from now, five years from now, and how do you do that? You know, and you so you meet other people, you network, and that's the whole thing about network theory, which is that it's not your friend, it's not your friend that's going to get you your job, your next position. Right. It's your friend's friend's friend, right? Right. And so, so how do you find them? <laughs> right. Right. And, that's and a good question. Yes. Gender, you know, it's about. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, well, that is one of the things I've heard um, people critique women about is they um, they say these sort of really good networkers say one of the mistakes women make is that they get themselves into a room of friends and that that's not going to expand their network or really help them um, move themselves into the next phase of what they're doing. And you have to realize that it you've got to put yourself in those places where you feel uncomfortable. And that's mm -hmm. where the networking actually happens. Is that how you feel? I don't know if that, I mean, we all have our own echo chambers, right? It's so much easier to be in a room where people are, where with people you trust and you trust with your heart and soul and that in your dreams and, um, and it's, you know, it bounces back and forth and it's um, self-fulfilling for everyone, right? But I don't think it's about gender. I mean, I think guys do that too, you know. I oh, really? People Interesting. People have been listening to the same, to the same rock and roll music that they uh, heard in the 80s <laughs> or wherever, whenever they were in college, right? Right. And it's, I don't think it's about gender. I think it's about being curious. I think it's about talent and whether real or perceived. And you, you don't have to be, um, you just have to figure out what you're good at and, and figure out how you want to be perceived. And it's about pipes, I think. I mean, I'm doing a kind of a thought experiment now uh, on LinkedIn, where I have a whole bunch of people that I'm directly connected with, one way or the other. And, but I'm going out, you know, like I just said, you know, it's, it's your friend's friend's friend. And so how do you reach those? So I've been doing a thing lately where I'm going on to the, the seconds, <laughs> the number two people that I'm mm -hmm. um, two degrees of separation away from. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and seeing what those people are all about. And so. That's interesting. And that's been so you're just, you're just linking to them. You're just, um, you're just sending yep. them a, a link yep. message. Yep. Hey, here's who I am. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> and what percentage are responding? <laughs> you, you look and interesting. What are you... Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> are you finding most people but, respond? Or yes. Oh yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Well, that's a good very technique. Very successful. Yeah. And the thing is, is that about the echo chamber. Going back to that for a second, is that. The thing about with your brain is that your brain is telling you you're safe right where you are, while your gut is telling you, your instinct is telling you to get out. So your gut instinct is telling you that, you know, we're doinked if we stand right here. But your mm -hmm. brain is saying, hey, wait a minute, we're safe right here where we stand, even if the forest fire is coming toward us. And so you need that pivotal inflection point where you say, no, I'm, I need to change right now, right here, this moment. So the, that's the thing. When people try to start, well, reinvent themselves, 
start a company. Mm -hmm. um, it's easier to not start, and it's m oh, sometimes more absolutely. satisfying to not start. Yeah. And because your brain says, well, it's okay if I don't do that. It's okay if we just go into work again this morning. But mm -hmm. in your gut, you know that not going in might be the right, the better thing, the better choice. And so the, and then you, when you do your thing, whatever it is, starting a company or whatever it might be, or just getting out of a situation, the, you know, you're standing on the ledge a bit. And then as you build confidence and or clients or whatever it is that you need, uh, to convince your brain that you're being successful, you step further and further back away from the ledge. You know, you get that first client and then you're, you're back a little bit. You get two or three more clients and they stack on top of each other and um, you back further and further away. So the new mission, I think, is, and this is what we point out both with companies and um, nonprofits and everything, is that the really the new mission in this world today uh, which is digital and transformation, transformational, transformative, is the new mission is to create a community that becomes so passionate about your success that they create it themselves. And Talk the, about the that big, because I thought yeah, that was big, really interesting. Uh, examples. Yeah, the big national example of that was Obama, right, where everyone kind of rallied around him and, uh, and elected him. The second mm -hmm. political example is Donald Trump, where he seemed to be the unwilling candidate, uh, but he just was swept along by this intent, other people's intent, or seem, seemingly anyway, that made right. them just the part he played. But certainly, I don't know, I remember when another example is uh, in the kind of product world is, is Starbucks, you know, and they kind of sort of swept across the country um, from, from, um, Seattle, and I just remembered when there wasn't a Starbucks everywhere. If you could, you may remember this too. If anyone listeners can remember this, uh, they just kind of swept across the country. And I had happened to be living in Chicago at that time, and uh, a friend of ours was from Seattle, so they explained, you know, what Starbucks was all about. And there was one one Starbucks in Chicago, and all of a sudden, uh, and you could, you would fly to other places. Uh, it, toward the west, slide toward the west, and there would be Starbucks there, but not in the east. I remember um, switching jobs and moving to New York, and there was one Starbucks in Manhattan on, uh, I think it was on Broadway, up above the um, theater district, or in the theater district, and there was one Starbucks, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden there were <laughs> thousands, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. that was totally through word of mouth and people telling telling you, oh, Go to Starbucks, et cetera, et cetera. And so the that's the case. Uh, they didn't advertise. They didn't have Super Bowl spots. They didn't have uh, ads or radio spots or even print ads. And and yet they grew. And me being in advertising, there would always be this uncomfortable moment uh, sitting with a CEO or marketing person, director, and so. Thank you for sharing your $30 million television campaign. <laughs> but we noticed that Starbucks hasn't advertised, and they seem to be doing well. Google doesn't advertise. They seem to be doing well. Why should I be spending $30 million with you? And, 
you know, there would be uncomfortable discussions about <laughs> of their product quality or their Starbucks product quality or their experience or, you know, a lot of nodding and shrugging and, you know, whatever. But the a lot of discomfort around that conversation. But the thing is, is that the truth is that is that the world uh, was slowly evolving, changing, uh, turning, and uh, the pyramid uh, was inverting. And so the top-down hierarchy was being flipped, and it has flipped for good mm-hmm. within the last 24, 36 months. And so it's all about um, your friends, friends, friend. How do we find that people? And in this code that I came up with, primal, which we call primal branding, is really the root code for gaining fans, believers, advocates, and so forth in the digital age. And we can do this with companies, products, and services. We can do it with cities. And we can, most importantly here, we can do it for ourselves. And, um, you know, there are a lot of questions you can ask yourself, like, yeah, give What's me a series of specific have. because yeah. the hard the hard part, Patrick, for a lot of people is getting started. Like you and I have been yeah. in this business for a while, so we kind of understand it. But the average person says, like, where do I even start? And yeah. what are those questions that you suggest an individual begin with? I mean, you should yeah. say sit I down with a pen and paper or their computer and say, what is my... What is my founding Some story the, or what did you call it? Your creation story. <laughs> creation story. <laughs> yeah, the creation story. The, well, I bet, but I think it starts a little bit before that. You have to know what you believe in or want to believe in. You have to, know, you have, to have a vision for yourself. You have to have an intention to do that. And those, and, and, and a dream of some kind, you know, and mm-hmm. dream and vision might be synonymous. But the, but you have to have that, and a lot, of, a lot of people do have that, but the important thing is having an intention and to want, to, to desire to do that, make that happen is critical. Otherwise, you just stand on the sidelines. And so uh, a thing that we do with companies and you can do it for yourself is that we say write a headline about yourself. Mm. Uh, imagine the year is 2025. You're writing for the Wall Street Journal. You're writing for the New York Times. You're writing for the <laughs> art section or the social section or whatever of the Times and or Huffington Post. You know, pick something and publication of your choice and um, YouTube. And what is your headline for 2025? Great. Love that. Where are you? Where are you then? And what's your life about? And then do something about, you know, how you got there. And by doing that, you kind of step out of the daily, hey, my hair is burning, I have to get this done, I have to pick up the kids, I have to uh, buy dinner, I have to decide what we want for dinner, I have to, you know, figure out uh, winter vacation, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it is, I have to talk to this client. And so it's about intent, and it's about a. T- it's not about gender. It's not about age. It's about intent. It's about persistence. Um, sometimes it's about talent. You know, you have something to offer the world, and it's about what is your possibility within that? How do you grasp that opportunity? And so we start out with the creation story. Hey, here's where I'm from. You know, I, I told you mine, you know, the diaper story from Oceanside to Minneapolis, and then 
um, the, the creation story for what we call primal branding is I had a client problem. I was working uh, with Lego. They were going out of business. I didn't realize that at the time, but they were um, just as they are now as we're talking about this, they're doing it again. And I just felt that something was wrong. Something was inauthentic. Uh, we didn't have that word. Uh, authenticity wasn't a thing that we that was top of mind or we even talked about at the time. But the, we just, I just thought there was something fake maybe going on. I thought there was something, you know, misdirected going on. I thought there was something that just felt in my gut like it was wrong. And so I was working in my garden in Wilton, Connecticut and, um, in June, July of 2001. And I came up with this construct. I bounced it off some friends of mine who worked at, um, uh, Apple and American Express and uh, one of my friends wrote Think Different, Craig Tanamoto, and I bounced it off them. Um, Paul Sow worked on uh, uh, friend of mine, another friend of mine worked on Harley Davidson and so forth. And there was they were CEOs, they were marketing directors, they were creative people, and I just bounced it off of them. This weird thing. Um, people were talking about brands, of course, but they weren't talking about it this way, and so. How do you do that? You know, Nike tribes and Apple cults. And how could you? Mm-hmm. So I deconstructed it basically, and then mm-hmm. came up with this. And so the um, that is my creation story about this. And so mm-hmm. um, you go back and you figure out, sort through your life, and once you determine what your vision is and what your intention is. Then you go back. I mean, if you want to start a cupcake company, you go back to when you made cupcakes with your grandmother or your mother, and mm-hmm. that's the foundation. And and you go work from there. You want to make the best cupcakes in the world, and so um, that's the creed. And then the icons are the cupcakes themselves, and you make try to make them different. And you sell them down on Bleecker Street, and before you know it, you have lines of people out the door. And so the um it's relatively easy it's relatively complex i wish it was just one thing um some people start with the why but that's right. just one part of a of a constellation of things and that's why we have so few really powerful brands or really powerful individuals on the planet is that um few people are able to fill in all of these blanks and create this constellation of parts that um, attracts others uh, to what you're all about. Interesting. And, and do you think so. do you think that you're saying that it doesn't matter whether you're male or female? What about if you are older versus younger? Do you have a better chance at knowing who you are when you're older? Does it come easier? I think that it depends on who you are. Of course, ageism is out there, but I think that really ages. Uh, I, I don't really bother. I mean, my best work has been since I was 50 years old. Uh-huh. So the, so I don't really care about that. And the uh, Ray Kroc started McDonald's when he was 52. You know, mm. Dvorak mm-hmm. wrote his best symphonies when he was 45 or something like that. So I don't, I don't know that. I mean, in the United States, in Europe, they revere, and in Asia, they revere older people. And mm-hmm. here in the United States, though, it's all about what's new and what's, um, you know, coming up. 
And, right. you know, I, don't, I think that might be a mis. I wonder if that might be a mistake in our culture. Of course, it's great to have the, um, they also had the Mozarts who were <laughs> seven years old playing for the emperor, right? But right. the, but and that's, that's terrific. Um, but not everyone is Mozart and um, not everyone who is 20 something really has something. They don't all have something to say, to tell us to, uh, improve our world. So I think that um, we have age, we have experience, um, and, that, and then those are incredibly important. What do you think stands in the way of people finding out who their personal brand is or what it means? Do you think they're just afraid of being their authentic self? Do you think it's obvious if you're living your most authentic life what your personal brand is? Do you think that's a signal that you may not I be living your I, most authentic life if you can't tell what your brand is? Yeah. What, you know, what is your most authentic life? You know, how does that feel? You know, and I think that it ties, it probably ties directly to are you happy or not? And mm -hmm. you certainly know when you're unhappy. Right. Um, I don't know that you know when you're the most happiest. I think we have moments when we're happy and happiest and um, but my happiest time has been, you know, over the last year or more. And so the, um, I think everyone has to figure that out for themselves. And I think a lot of people are stuck in the same spot or find themselves stuck or think that they're stuck when they may not be stuck. And I think the, um, the way to get unstuck is to, um, understand that your brain, brain is trying to keep you safe and, oh, I wish I could do, be doing this. You know, there was a, uh, I was at a dinner, uh, I don't know, a couple bunch of years, a bunch of years ago. And uh, the dinner was hosted by Ted, not TEDx, but the original Ted. So okay. these were all, there were a dozen of us and they were, they were all talented, successful, interesting people. I was probably the least successful or interesting, but they had either had their own companies or they were CEOs or presidents for some other com someone else. And one person um, who had started their own company asked, he, he said, if you could do whatever you wanted, he asked the group, if you could do whatever you wanted, would you be doing this? And there was dead silence. Oh, really? And, and I, and I said, well, I would. <laughs> and, I, and, and I said, oh, why would you start a company doing something you don't care about and don't want to do? You know, if you could start a company, I mean, you right. could, you know, work 24 hours a day at, I mean, starting your own company is not heading off to Florida, right? You're mm -hmm. working 24 seven every day of the year. But, um, I'm aware that I'm, I've been extremely lucky, but when you hit restart, you know, please start by doing something that you like, <laughs> right? Right. It's, right. It's so interesting. Sense, I think anyway. Yeah, I, I think. And so when, when you do step off the ledge or step on the ledge, I guess, put yourself on the ledge, make sure you're doing something that's going to make you happy and, and just something that you can enjoy doing. And I think most people do, but he was just, they were just in a situation, but the, um, no, I've forgotten what, what, what we're, what well, that's we're all. I just, it was the, just saying, is there, you know, are there any, you know, 
sort of being older, being advantaged versus being younger. So I guess you know yourself better, perhaps. I think we're more beautiful. We're probably more confident. And we know that in some cases what our limitations are or what they're not, you know. And I think that people stumbling through their 20s, for example, uh, don't don't know that. I think you're still working out who you are in most cases. And um, in a lot of cases, you don't have the money to do what you want to do. And we have that. Interesting. I'm going to close with one last question to you, since you know a lot about community. What it What is interesting is I hear a lot of women when I talk to them, either former more readers or people who want to get involved with Covey Club, writers, editors, photographers, all these people are saying to me, this is so great because I'm looking for something bigger than myself. I want to get involved. And these are some people Mm -hmm. who are very accomplished already in many, many ways. What does that ring to you? Is that kind of where we are today in terms of this whole disjointed kind of we've got a thousand friends, but no real friends. We're connected all over the place, but we're not talking to anybody by the on the phone is it this just because that's kind of what I'm feeling and I'm just wondering since you talk a lot about community if, if that's part of when you build your brand you have to be aware of what that community is that you're part of yeah there's a thing that um, I mean we're all hard, hardwired for certain things and I think that we are hardwired as human beings to be drawn toward a community and whether that's just to keep us safe from all the bears and lions that are out there. Right. Um, I don't know. It probably is. It's probably, um, I mean, we went for thousands of years, uh, for example, without iPhones very successfully. Right. Yes. And so or whatever <laughs> technology you want to name the, um, and so without smartphones and so the, um, sociologists say that our ideal group is 150 people. When you have a, uh, a body, a community that size, about that size, everyone knows each other. Uh, everyone knows probably too much about each other. I mean, it's a small town, yes. right? And the, and you don't really need laws per se because peer pressure, et cetera, will exert enough uh, pressure to keep people in line. And so the, that's 150 people. Once you go out to, you know, you have 100,000 fans or followers or whatever on Facebook, um, <laughs> well, that's the size when uh, sociologically we need laws, we need uh, hierarchies, we need um, some stringent things just to keep people in line. But I think that the... Um, so when you expand out like that, no one can have a hundred thousand friends, right? You can't know a hundred thousand people. It's just so do we feel more isolated because so. of that? Is does that contrast because, make I mean, us feel more isolated? Be a negative side effect of of not really having, um, yeah, close intimate friends. You you have all your close friends. I mean, we don't even call each other on the phone anymore. No, you know, that that's the, the most line, amazing right? thing. No one talks on the phone anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually, uh, 
was talking to a friend like about that and we were laughing how we used to just call each other up and now we have to schedule a call so, yes so later that so day weird. later that day leslie i uh i called someone out of the blue so i'm in where was i new york or something and i saw so called a guy it was late uh sort of late called a guy in in la and i don't know it was five thirty, six o'clock at night or so he picked up and he was i didn't know him that well but i was just we're of a certain age. And so I said, I just thought I'd call you. Remember when we used to just call people on the phone yeah. and he was just, he was flabbergasted. Were we supposed to be talking now or, <laughs> and oh, it was not a successful funny. phone call, but the, but that's kind of the thing though, is that this disconnection, we're all automatically connected to all of these people on these, um, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. Yeah, and yet we're disconnected at the same time. It's, and it's, it's a disconnect. Sorry, the pun, the pun. but the it uh, and it's ironic and it's a lot of things. But it's um, uh, but it's also interesting, and it will be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, and, community yeah. is such a big word, and I think um, I think that you know that's part of building your brand, finding out who your community is, changing your community if you want to do that, um, and trying to dig this all out. So I think that the, the biggest thing that I've learned is I got to sit down and actually write my headline. And that's probably for everybody who's listening oh, yeah. their their first step in trying to figure it all yeah. out. And also I would recommend that you watch Patrick's Ted talk, which was fantastic. Um, I can stick a little link to it um, when I run this in the magazine or the digazine, if you want to call it that. And um that was very can helpful. I add really... that. Can I add something? A plug? My um, book, The Social Code, is on Audible now, and it's free. Oh, that was great, too. I read that. That was excellent. But So everybody so can go the there and code. sort of see yeah. how you deconstruct all this stuff, which is very interesting, and it will definitely have resonance for them. And I so appreciate your time and talent, and I'm so glad that we met each other a while ago and have kept in touch. And oh, thanks, I, look, I look forward to when I have a giant company and you can help me decompose, de deconstruct, decompose also. Decompose. All, <laughs> well, we can decompose all the stuff too. that I need to understand. <laughs> so I, I'm so thankful that you had the time today, Patrick, and thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks. Hey, you, had, you asked me if I could uh, end up with three things. Oh, do you have them? Do. Good. Well, we got a little yeah. extra here. Go ahead. Great. Um, well, I think that the one thing is know your story, mm -hmm. right? And that you can change your story. I think that's important to know. And yes. and for those who are working, um, it, remember that your current position is not forever, right? We're working toward a gig economy where people are going to have more than one job and yes. so forth. And the second thing is to expand your networks, make some new bets out there with people and put yourself out there. And the third thing I think is to stay curious. Yes. Because I think staying oh curious is the thing that helps us uh, survive. And I think that, yeah, yeah, and I think curiosity is one of the things that actually pulls together my tribe. My tribe, we're all kind of yeah. constant learners and extremely curious, and that kind of sets us apart from everybody else. So yeah, awesome, continually we got learning, our, I think our three is, pointers. Is, uh, yeah, just another way to put it. Yeah, semantics, but yeah. 
Groovy. All right, my dear. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So we want to say thank you to Patrick Hanlon for joining us today. That was a more thinky approach than um, we usually do to figuring out what your personal branding is. And I hope everybody is going to sit down and write what their headline is. I think that's a good exercise for all of us. And I hope all of you who are interested in reinvention and friends who have, if you have friends who are interested in reinvention, that you will pass the CubbyCast along to them. Uh, You can find us on Podbean and on iTunes. And if you would give us a rating, if you like the podcast, that would be fantastic. That's how other people will help find us. And I hope that you'll join me also at cubbyclub.com. And we're going to hopefully be launching very soon with the actual site, which is still being reworked one more time. And there will be so much there for you to get involved with. There will be a community. That is what I'm building. And that's why I was so glad to hear that um, Patrick really believes in communities. We need a community that's for us. We need a community that supports women who are still out there doing their thing. And we don't want to be silenced. We don't want to be invisible. And I hope you will find all of that spirit and support when you come to CoveyClub.com. So thanks a lot, and we will talk to you soon.